It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We have a lot to cover today. So much going on. Hard to be knock it down to just a few stories, but we'll get to most of them. one 408 7669 Also, go to com. Listen anytime, anywhere. We can listen to live. If you happen to leave our family of affiliates. Uh, meanwhile, today, we're going to find out uh, what is happening on uh, on Capitol Hill as they start getting some good news, I guess, for Democrats that they can move forward with their whatever you call that, infrastructure bill. And also there's some crazy things going on at the border, more crazy than usual. And guess who doesn't know that? Kamala Harris. She hasn't even gone. 13 days after she was given the portfolio to bring some semblance of order back to the border, she won't even go. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. To use a phrase from Elizabeth Warren, absent structural reform to how America does infrastructure to make it more the way Canada does or more the way Australia does, it's going to be wasted money. It's not going to go into the ground. Clearing the way. The Senate rules look as though it will pave the way for a party-line win for Joe Biden's wildly mislabeled infrastructure bill, which contains only 10% of funding for traditional things like uh, bridges and tunnels. One problem, even some Dems see the error in increasing taxes and pushing ahead with the disguised New Green Deal. Number two. Yeah, CBS and 60 Minutes haven't really been noted for their coverage of Andrew Cuomo's various woes. And I think it's you know, reasonable to suggest that the fact that DeSantis' star is rising in the Republican Party made him an, a tempting target for journalists on the left, which includes uh, most of the journalists at CBS News, if not nearly all of them. Brit Hume knows with two governors stunning fall from grace. Gavin Newsom, California, now in the middle of a recall. And Governor uh, Cuomo of New York, subject of multiple unsavory investigations surrounding his unseemingly unethical personal behavior. 60 Minutes decides to turn its fire on the most successful governor of the country, Ron DeSantis. And it's blowing up in their self-important, arrogant faces. We'll correct the record. Number one. Georgia has 17 days of in-person early voting, including... Two optional Sundays. Colorado has 15. It's what I'm being told. So it uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but so hypocritical. Unbelievable. Major League Baseball fell in their face. Sort of the 200 corporations who condemned the Georgia voting law. Now it's official. MLB is in an effort to show their misplaced wokeness has moved this July All-Star game from Atlanta to Colorado. Why? Over Georgia's new election law. The problem with the moral decision? Colorado is more restrictive in their voting regulations, you could argue, than Georgia. Our national pastime, which is already shedding fans, just found a way to alienate even more. Mostly Republican. Who's to blame? A gutless, clueless commissioner and the pre- and President Joe Biden. He started it. Remember, Joe Biden came out and said it's sick. It is Jim Crow. Uh, uh, Jim Eagle, I think, was this ridiculous analogy. Later corrected to Jim Crow on steroids, which is just totally inaccurate. I mean, you're talking about an 1880s law that Democrats put forward where it was flat-out segregationist and racist. This is neither. So now Major League Baseball moves their all-star game. Let's look. Colorado, 15 days of early voting. Georgia, 17 days of early voting. Allows no excuse, vote by mail. Allows no excuse, vote by mail. Valid ID required, does Georgia, to vote by mail and in person? 
all registered voters receive mail ballots. Absentee ballots are received automatically. Valid ID required to vote by mail and in person. Wow. What a statement. What a statement Major League Baseball made. Look out. They really stand for something. Now there's mess. Now people are saying uh, there's a boycott at Georgia now. Think about all those people from uh, the parking attendants to the T-shirt salespeople to the vendors to the hotel operators. All won't be getting $100 million worth of dollar uh, money into the system. Badly needed in Atlanta. Why? Because no one read the bill and they were so scared to stand up to it. They just flipped over and just played dead. Senator Tim Scott, cut five. How can you have a legitimate conversation about something so sacred as voting? How can you distort the facts so terribly that you're willing, you're willing to, to, bring, to bring back the concept of a poll tax or the concept of Jim Crow? You only do that when you have nothing to stand on. Don't weaponize race in a powerful and destructive way when so many people fought and died so that I could be your senator. So I can stand here and have a conversation with you. Congressman uh, Crenshaw of Texas, uh, United Airlines joined in with Delta to condemn the voting, uh, the new voting law in Georgia. And Crenshaw came back and said, Told United Airlines to shut up after the airlines followed the same uh, controversial route taken by the competitor Delta. Went on to say this specifically, travelers 18 years of age or older required to have valid ID. U.S. federal or state issued photo ID. That contains name, birth date, gender, expiration date, tamper-resistant feature for travel. That's your policy, United. Pandering hypocrites, shut up. How right is that? 100%. Mitch McConnell, corporations will invite serious consequences if they become the vehicle for the far-left mob to hijack our country outside the constitutional order. Businesses must not use economic blackmail to spread disinformation and push bad ideas that citizens reject at the ballot box. Brian Kemp couldn't believe it. Uh, The governor of Georgia now is not going to be primaried. Seems like all the Republicans are united in this outrage. Cut one. Georgia has 17 days of in-person early voting, including two optional Sundays. Uh, Colorado has 15, It's what I'm being told. They also have a photo ID requirement. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but of course, neither does Joe Biden opening the NCAA championship game tonight, talking about every game's played in Indiana and how great it is. And Indiana's the birthplace for the photo ID requirement. In fact, the court case that upheld that was Marion County, where the game is being played tonight. So hypocritical. And it's gone. The, the game is gone. And it's just so dumb. And I think it's really, it's where the rubber hits the road for the Republican Party. Uh, you know, they have to win back uh, f- female suburban voters. They lost them. But, but they gained Hispanic voters. They gained, to a degree, the black voters. To a degree, they got, they got a long way to go. Long way to go. Uh, and they picked up working class voters. I mean, I don't know if the money will ever be equal if you give up on corporations, but corporations seem to have given up on the Republicans. So get on with it. Go get voters and let them go get money. And then when the corporations are not getting rewarded for their money with additional power, uh, the seat of power and additional seats in Washington, they'll come back to the strong horse. That's what I believe anyway. So let's talk about Ron DeSantis. As I mentioned earlier, Governor Cuomo has nine sexual 
harassment accusers. He has uh, been been accused in detail of giving his donors, his family, and his friends, especially his brother, special access to tests and to vaccines. There is an investigation with the FBI and the Attorney General. But that is not enough to get 60 minutes to focus on Governor Cuomo. They instead decided to take Ron DeSantis, an up-and-coming, uh, uh, up-and-coming star on the right, and decide to try to skewer him. It turns out a lot of what they were reporting was not true. It didn't tell the whole story. So Governor DeSantis ignored 60 Minutes' request for help, excuse me, for an interview, and watched as, uh, as they had their way with the story that said he helped his donors get vaccines and not minorities and not, the out, not rural communities. Cut 22. Keith James is the mayor of West Palm Beach, <clears throat> which is not on the beach at all, but the intercoastal waterway. The median income in West Palm Beach is about $28,000 a year, compared to $70,000 in the town of Palm Beach. James told us after he and other mayors complained about the town of Palm Beach getting the 1,000 doses, the county's health director took the blame, calling it a miscommunication. Listen, the county health director has fallen on the sword on, on that and said it was her, her bad, her organization's bad. They made a mistake. But isn't it funny that these mistakes only happen in communities that have that kind of wealth? They didn't make a mistake and send a thousand doses to the poorest communities in our county. So what you had is a accusation that Publix is a big donor to Governor DeSantis, so therefore they got the access to the vaccine. It also happens to be the biggest supermarket in all of Florida, the most successful in all of Florida, and they actually give to both parties. They say that they actually went to church. Governor DeSantis just told us they went to churches on Sundays. They immediately set up vaccine shops there. Uh, they also have mobile access in, in those places as well. And Publix is within a certain amount of miles in just about every community in Florida. But they did not get that. And Ron DeSantis says, I don't want to sit down with 60 Minutes because they're going to edit it in a way that's going to make me look bad. Because they have no interest in making me look any way any different. So... Here is Ron DeSantis firing back at uh, 60 Minutes. Here's the exchange um, with that aired on 60 Minutes on Sunday, Cut 19. Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign, and then you rewarded them with the exclusive rights to distribute the vaccination in so Palm Beach. So first of all, that, what you're saying is wrong. How, how is that not pay to that, play? That's a fake narrative. I met with the oh. county mayor. I met with the administrator. I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said... Here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the Publix. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. Okay. That's what aired. So it makes it look like he's getting away with it by giving a donor money. So here's what should have aired if they decided to tell the whole story. Cut 21. As we got into January, we wanted to expand the distribution points. So, yes, you had the counties. You had some drive through sites. You had hospitals that were doing a lot. But we wanted to get it into communities more. So we reached out to other retail pharmacies, Publix, Walmart. Obviously, CVS and Walgreens had to finish that mission. And we said, we're going we're gonna to use you as soon as you're done with that. For the Publix, they were the first one to raise their hand, say they were ready to go. And you know what? We did it on a trial basis. I had three counties. I actually showed up that weekend and talked to seniors across four different Publix. 
How was the experience? Is this good? Should you think this is the way to go? And it was 100% positive. So I understand in a piece. I just know it. I mean, I spent, I spent about six hours with uh, George P. Bush. I spent with Ron DeSantis. I spent about uh, nine hours with him. And you got to knock it down to two, uh, three, five-minute pieces. You can't include all of it. But on vital parts of a story like that, where the rubber hits the road on what you're pursuing, saying that he's favored rich communities that donated to his campaign, you have to include the whole story and let the blame fall where it may. But I just go back to my original point. Ron DeSantis is getting the vaccine out. Ron DeSantis' death rate is extremely low. Ron DeSantis' case rate is between is right in the middle. Ron DeSantis left Florida open. He let people come and acted responsibly and let businesses make their own decisions. As a curfew. So then he hopped on with us on Fox and Friends about an hour ago. And he also hopped on with Tucker uh, last night. Just to explain what exactly... Uh, why he didn't sit down with 60 Minutes and what the reality is. Cut 24. Here's what 60 Minutes didn't tell you. As soon as we started doing the publics, there was a request to go out to the western part of the county mm-hmm. in one of the rural counties, heavily African-American, a town called Pahokee. We set up a special site in Pahokee. My secretary of the lottery grew up there, played football at Florida State. We went down together. We did it. Everyone was very happy. CBS didn't tell you that. They didn't tell you that we were partnering with African-American churches at the beginning of January before any other state in the country. We were at churches on Sundays doing hundreds of mostly African-American parishioners. They didn't want to tell you that because it would have destroyed their narrative. So there you go. Uh, so bring it on. Uh, you trying to take him down, just like you tried to take Christie down. Governor Christie uh, ended up not being the hot candidate. A lot had to do with uh, what happened with Bridgegate. A lot had to do with his him being in Trump in very similar styles. But Governor DeSantis is making high marks on pure performance, let alone having the military background, let alone the Ivy League education, let alone the baseball background, let alone being the impactful congressman who was one of the first to back Donald Trump. So he's looked favorably on in Trump country, and he's been very strong as a governor. So when we come back, I'll take some calls, and then we're going to go to Lieutenant Colonel Alan West about this new Iranian deal and so much more. Also, what's happening in Texas, uh, because they don't like the Texas law either. What's baseball going to do about Texas? 1-866-408-7669. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in 
Blue Collar Trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com slash path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com slash path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. Deciding that you're going to end voting at 5 o'clock when working people are just getting off work. It's 7 o'clock, and uh, it's whatever the situation was, it is. And now you have Dropbox for the first time ever, non-pandemic year. And now you have all they want is to make sure they have ID on mail-in voting. You could even have unexcused uh, request for a mail-in ballot. And you got to get 11 days prior because you got to send it out and you got to get it back. Sean, listen on WDBO in Orlando. Hey, Sean. Hey, good morning, Brian. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, um, I was just curious, in your opinion, is Major League Baseball now going to be the social justice warriors of the United States? They're going to strictly choose where to host their drafts, their all-star game, maybe, who even knows, maybe even baseball games based on the voting laws of a state. Like, how ridiculous. They can't afford it. How how far are we going to let it go? How far is this going to go until we start holding these big, big names accountable and just say, you guys are being a little ridiculous. This has nothing to do with you. Hey, Sean, as I said in my open, they're shedding shedding fans every year because it moves so slow. They don't get into into, uh, urban environments. They're getting very few minorities inside our country that are participating in baseball. It is not a new generation sport. Why would they even take the risk of doing that? Why would they take the risk of alienating 50% of the country either way? Well, I don't th- – well, are you, are you, you're at risk of alienating your fan base yep. by doing something like that. You know how many people I ran into over the weekend said, that's it, I'm out. So, I mean, why I'm would you do too. that? I'm a huge, I'm a huge baseball fan, diehard Red Sox fan. I'm done with it. I'm, I'm over it. I don't care anymore. I mean, yeah, it's disrespecting you. It's disrespecting the others. Then you have things like Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, United Airlines uh, lining up to call them out. Uh, Thanks so much, Sean. Here's more from the governor. Cut two. It's just unfair to hardworking Georgians, small business owners, and baseball fans not only here but all across the country that now this great sport, America's pastime, is now going to be politicized. I mean, when I grew up playing Little League, Senior League, high school baseball, last thing I thought about playing those games and having my family in the stands and a bunch of other kids that I grew up with was politics. That's the last thing anybody thought about. And now it's front and center because we have a a bunch of spineless corporations that won't just say, look, we're not engaging in that. So New York Post does a editorial, and they talk about what New York does. The Empire State still makes it harder to vote than does the state that's drawing all the boycotts. That's Georgia. New York offers eight fewer days of early voting and requires valid excuse to vote absentee. But none of those, none of that noise over Georgia is really about standards for free and fair elections, even if MLB's move is just a cowardly effort to pander. Otherwise, why did it just sign a deal to vastly expand a presence in China with no democratic elections at all? 
and perpetuating genocide among Muslim Uyghurs. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Back in a moment, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Don't move. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. When you have uh, border patrol agents um, that are overwhelmed with with children along the border and family units, you are going to have these type of uh, uh, people that are coming across the border with serious criminal records, but also on the FBI watch list. And and that was the case out of the uh, central sector where these two men were apprehended. Now, like you said, there's a lot of other apprehensions that are made on the border every single day that are actually classified and they're not subject to public release. But this is, again, what happens when you overwhelm uh, the U.S. Border Patrol, when you don't support the men and women of law enforcement. And that's exactly what's happened. Uh, when you talk about what's happening at the border right now, uh, 42 percent of the country uh, approve of Joe Biden's handling of the border. I don't know who those 42 percent are. He is totally hands off what's doing at the border. He is allowing the chaos to reign. Either he is catatonic because he can't handle it. He asked his vice president and she basically said no for 13 days. She has not even held a news conference and went down to the border to see for yourself, to see for herself. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West knows all about the border. That's part of his uh, his things to do list and things to watch list, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, senior fellow at the Media Readers Research Institute, uh, Colonel, uh, how how could even forty two percent approval what Joe Biden's doing at the border? Well, it's good to be with you, Brian. Hopefully, you had a great uh, Easter weekend. That forty two percent definitely does not live in the great state of Texas, and I think it's unconscionable because he is not dealing with the border. So, first of all, that question is really, uh, you know, nonsensical. When you think about what has happened in that uh, uh, sound over tape that you just played. Um, we have 141 different countries where we have detained people coming across the border. This is not just a, an issue about little children coming across. This is a national security issue. This is a health care issue. This is a crime and crim- criminality issue because you do have people coming back across this border that are previous sex offenders who have been deported. You have a, a, individuals that are coming in from terrorist nations. Two of them uh, recently were uh, apprehended. They were from Yemen. And now now, the fact that we are putting these individuals on our military installations where, you know, that's supposed to be a, a secure installation. This is supposed to be a place where our men and women are training to protect this country. And now we're lessening the security and they're not allowed to, to have any knowledge or any uh, contact of, of these individuals being brought onto their military installations. That, to me, is, is almost criminal. Yeah, I mean, they think that, well, we have good news. Fort Bliss has been converted. Really? That's good news for who? Now now we're not using these forts for our military people. They're, they're playing, uh, I guess, camp counselor. It makes no sense. Here's what Laura Logan said last night, what's happening at the border and the threats that she sees. Cut 30. While this border is wide open, there are people coming from Cuba, from Russia, from Haiti, from Yemen, from Syria, from countries with uh, where the government has a nexus with terrorism. And nobody is talking about this. What we're doing is we're having an argument over whether what you're actually seeing with your eyes and hearing about is real or not real, whether it's a crisis or not a crisis, whether it was created by Joe Biden's administration or not created by them. Instead of having a conversation about the very significant national security implications of having such a wide open border. 
So she's been down there. Like, uh, she's spent weeks down there doing features on uh, Fox Nation. You can get some right now. But that's the whole thing. You have Democrats mocking Republicans for saying terrorists are coming across. That basically it's all unaccompanied minors, which we know, uh, sadly, uh, that's a sad situation. But it's not. Now you have no. Yeah, yeah. Ruben Gallego, when asked a Democrat uh, about McCarthy's claim of terrorists coming at the border, he's wrong and he's lying. He went on to say it's fueling xenophobia on MSNBC. Media attacks Republicans over the claims of terrorists at the border. Uh, on McCarthy, with talk of terrorist watch lists, Republicans revive one of Trump's notorious immigration lies. Yem- and then all of a sudden, a Yemeni citizen uh, who is on the FBI terrorist watch list comes across, along with the 26-year-old who was also arrested with him, too, two miles from the border in California. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I was with uh, Lara last week uh, down in Salado, Texas, and there was a, a border security briefing that was done, and she's spot on. And again, when you hear the left talk, you know, they, they have a media blackout. They don't want people to know what is going on. And of course, if you talk about what's going on, then they try to demonize and denigrate you. You think about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who just recently came out and said that you should not say the word surge. Surge is something that is white supremacy and, and Races. No, we do have a surge come across our border. We have hundreds of thousands of people that have come across the border here into to Texas and, and Arizona and California, but especially here in Texas, that we don't have control of that border. And we don't have control of what I call the border zone. And so we have people that are being released internally into the state of Texas and also into the United States of America itself. So we have a complete breakdown of our rule of law, our constitutional republic, and it does have national security ramifications. And the fact that you have a president and the vice president that have completely dismissed this, they are abdicating their constitutional duties. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing uh, what's going on because the border was under control, and Jen Psaki keeps saying, well, there's no humanitarian aspect to it, and we're doing it in a humanitarian way. We fixed it, and the part of the reason why it was crazy is because there were court cases that were trying to stop the remain in Mexico, trying to stop the, the border wall from being built, and it kept on stopping and starting. They finally got it into gear, and they were told, don't get rid of these policies when it was clear Donald Trump had lost the election, and he did anyway. He cannot act surprised. Mm-hmm. So— I want to fast forward to something else. Uh, You know how well Ron DeSantis has done in Florida. And that's why 60 Minutes, I believe, targeted him, saying there's an uh, unequitable distribution of the vaccine. Uh, And you watch them go after him. And I'm wondering, why weren't they even considering going after Cuomo with nine sexual harassment allegations? Favoritism all but proven to give uh, tests to his brother, family and donors. And or 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 uh, Gavin Newsom, who's going to be recalled? He went from seventy percent approval. Now he's at forty-one percent approval. Uh, Colonel, I've never seen such a, a flagrant bias. Well, it's the left, and what they see, Ron DeSantis, is a threat. And so instead of focusing on the states where you have seen abysmal response to the COVID issue, New York, New Jersey, and California, they would rather come down and hammer on Ron DeSantis, whose approval rating is high. And guess what? His state has been open. There has not been any catastrophic uh, you know, losses of life like you saw with seniors up there in New York with uh, Governor Cuomo. So it was a complete hit piece. It was a complete hit job that uh, 60 Minutes tried to do. And I would tell you that I think in the long run, that's going to hurt them, uh, their reputation, because why would any conservative 
governor or conservative, uh, you know, elector, elected official want to go on 60 Minutes knowing exactly who they are and what they will attempt to do. But Ron DeSantis should rest assured in this, that he's doing the right thing. He's come out against this vaccine passports issue, and he is a leader among Republican governors here in the United States of America. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. So Texas is reforming their laws when it comes to voting. What mm-hmm. could you tell us? Well, the thing what we want to do in Texas, if you look at H.R. 1, which is what the uh, the federal government, the Corrupt Politicians Act, trying to nationalize elections, we don't want to go down the path of uh, you know universal mail-in ballots. We have absentee balloting, and we want to continue with that. The whole thing about the uh, ballot harvesting, we want to make sure that's correct. We want to strengthen our laws so that we don't have a person like the Harris County clerk who implemented uh, curbside voting, mostly in Democrat precincts. We want to keep voter ID, so we're going to go down the path, something similar, I'm sure, to what George is doing, and that's why Robert Francis O'Rourke was down in the Texas State Capitol last week uh, screaming and yelling, this is not about being a white supremacist or a racist. And as a matter of fact, as a black man, I have to show an ID to get on the aircraft. So Delta and American, I don't know what they're talking about. Maybe they're racist for making me show an ID to get on their aircraft to, to travel. But we have to have laws that govern our electoral process, or else we become a one-party rule nation, and that's what the Democrats want. Well, they're not going to be uh, baseball. Not going to be happy with it. No, basically, you know, and I'm from Atlanta, George. I, I used to sell Cokes at the old Fulton County Stadium, and it is absolutely appalling what the Major League uh, Baseball Commissioner did. And I think it's again, it's going to come back to hurt him. And when you look at the fact that they have now moved the All Star Game to Denver, Colorado, uh, Georgia has better election laws than Denver, Colorado. They give more time for early voting than they do out in Colorado. So he just really stepped in some, you know what, and I don't know if he's going to be able to recover from this. Yeah. I guess we're going to find out. Uh, thanks so much, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Always appreciate it. Thank you so much, Brian. God bless. All right, back at you. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We'll come back and we'll see if we can take some of your calls. Find out what's on your mind. We also have not discussed uh, much about this infrastructure bill. A big break for Senator Schumer, I hate to say, because the parliamentarian is basically going to say he can do this on reconciliation. I'm not sure he's got the votes yet. And I know this infrastructure bill, basically AOC and Bernie Sanders could have wrote it themselves. Very little to do with bridges and tunnels. My question is, will they actually try again? Are they going to? Uh, they're so in fear of losing both bodies on the tw- uh, in tw- 2022 that they'll jam this through now. We'll talk about that and so much more. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, We have a lot to discuss at 1-866-408-7669. You know, I've been talking about what's happening uh, with Ron DeSantis being targeted. And while Governor Cuomo gets a total pass from the networks, unbelievable. CNN doesn't cover it at all. They don't cover the fact that he's not covering it. Uh, they don't cover it on MSNBC. What a disgrace. And Brian Kemp fighting back against Major League Baseball, moving the All-Star game. And now there's some reports that Joe Biden is kind of pushing back on whether he should have had that boycott or not. Can you believe he got a pass on this, too? Joe Biden actually called for a boycott, a boycott that baseball should boycott and leave 
Georgia thought it was a good move. Think about that. It's President of the United States recommending you leave as another city. By the way, they gave you the Senate and actually voted for you. So even Stacey Abrams said, listen, let's not boycott. It hurts the hotel workers. It hurts the rent-a-cars. It hurts the people that are going to go to the work, the concessions at the stadium, the tourism industry. We might be back by then. Meanwhile, let's get to find out if fact there is, well, maybe a reason to believe. There's more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. All right, here we go. Baylor stuns in the men's basketball championships over Gonzaga. Baylor dominated from start to finish. They were clearly the better team. Final score, 86-70. to 70. They were up by 12 at half. Never looked back. Number one seed, Baylor, on Monday uh, was the champion. This is their first win. They ascended to the top of the sport with Style 2, jumping out early to a 9-0 lead. Uh, went on to, uh, which turned into 11-1, which turned into 29-10. Uh, and that was pretty much over. When they started off strong in the second half, I sensed it was done. But two new teams in the final. Wasn't Duke, wasn't North Carolina. You know, you're not looking at the same Arizona, the same old teams. It was good. I still don't know how many people were there, though. They had everything dark in the background. Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't actually watch it, but I do think it's interesting. They've cut from Scott Drew in 2003 saying when they were, he went there to rebuild their program. Right. Cut 38. At Baylor University, I did not come to go to the NCAA tournament. We came to win games at the NCAA tournament. We came with a chance to win a national championship. Pretty and now good. We did. Yep, pretty good. And remember, Ken Starr was, uh, was there when Baylor was starting to turn around their football program, too. Next, youth sports are helping to fuel the worrisome rise in COVID 19 cases, according to the CDC. Quote, we're learning that many of the outbreaks on young people are related to youth sports and extracurricular activities. This is uh, among the 18 to 24 year olds. We're actually seeing some peaks in cases. Cases are increasingly nationally, increasing nationally. We're seeing that predominantly in younger adults. But we are not shutting down. And who cares if it's happening in, in with young adults? People are taking the risk. They're quarantines. My uh, daughter had one game canceled already. Uh, they played eight. Uh, there are different things. I know uh, at college, the baseball team of my daughter's college got quarantined. They just take actions. The coach came up positive on the soccer team at my daughter's college. So the good news is they weren't that close to the coach. When they were at practice, she was on the sidelines, so they didn't have to quarantine the whole team. We make, Everyone's calling audibles, but you got to keep playing. I hope there's no push to stop playing. I totally agree with you. Next, Aaron Rodgers trolled by Jeopardy contestant over the NFL playoff loss to Tom Brady. Quote, this is what Aaron Rodgers got hit with in the final seconds of the Jeopardy hosting debut. Do you want to uh, hear the question? You want me to read the question or hear the question? Let's hear it. Over to our two-day champion on the end. Scott, did you come up with the correct response? Who wanted to kick that field goal? <laughs> that is a great question. Should be, should be, should be correct, but uh, unfortunately for this, uh, this game today, that's incorrect, and you're going to lose zero. Thank you for that. And meanwhile, he's talking about Aaron Rodgers, who wanted to go for a touchdown. Instead, they kicked a field goal, would never get the ball back, and they would lose the playoff game. That was funny, right? Uh, that was pretty funny, yeah. Uh, how he says he would he would love to do this full time. He says he loves it, and he said he could too, right? Because I think they only tape Jeopardy forty some odd days a year, and he only plays football x amount of days, and he has extra was days he good? left over. Did you watch it for long? 
I didn't watch it for long. Hearing that clip, he was decent, right? I feel like as he got more comfortable with it, maybe he'd have some more energy. Yeah, I mean, he's a little low-key. Yes. Keep in mind, though, he's considered as a quarterback a genius. He's They say he's brilliant, so maybe that comes across. And uh, I find that women call him endlessly handsome. That's why he gets the State Farm commercials. That's why he does all the media stuff. That's why you know Aaron Rodgers. You're not watching the Packers. I was going to say, well, Brian, you did, let's be honest here. You just felt the need to say women claim he's so handsome. Ah, you really feel that. You just wanted to throw that disclaimer in He is a good-looking guy. Uh, <laughs> and we'll, later, Eric will weigh in in the break. Next, 5,700-year-old chewing gum still contains human DNA from prehistoric woman. Researchers in, I don't know why I'm talking like I'm a caveman. Researchers in Denmark have discovered an ancient piece of gum still containing the human genome. Remarkably, the gum was last chewed 57 years ago, 5,700 years ago. Archaeologists unearthed the wad of history during uh, evac- uh, excavations on the Danish island of Laland in 2019. Never heard of the Danish island. Didn't know the Danes had an island. And I will say this. There's no way that's real gum. Gum has to be a modern invention. I was going to say, I didn't know, like, uh, doublement was around back then. Yeah. Uh, the University of Copenhagen successfully extracted the complete DNA history from the sample. Unbelievable that we invented gum back So here's then. the question. Do you think people 5,700 years ago had issues with chewing gum like you have today? Yes, I think they did, but it was undiagnosed <laughs> and they were forced to deal with it. And they had no one who really cared. They didn't have therapy back then. Uh, they didn't have. They weren't willing to diagnose things like they were then. But there was no internet, so you couldn't look it up to find out it was a real disease, which I suffer from, and Kelly Ripa suffers yes. from. So do you think? But maybe this woman's husband had that disease, which is why she died. He just like put her in a cave and said bye. I wouldn't. I don't know <laughs> how she died. I don't want to say she was murdered by her husband, because again, I have not seen the genome and the DNA to see what she was actually like. But there's nothing worse than chewing gum. Next. It's disgusting. Mice also practice social distancing when encountering sick mates. Apparently, humans aren't the only ones. Neuroscientists from MIT say mice have a brain circuit that stops them from mating with other rodents that appear to be unwell. What are we going to do with this information? I mean, it just seems like a study of the obvious, right? You're naturally, like, want to just procreate to make healthier animals, whether so, you're a mouse yeah, or a human. I, I mean, are we looking to confirm what we already know now with mice? Completely. We, have we solved all our own problems? We're just looking to get confirmation? There's nothing else to study at colleges. Oh, I have so much more. This was a good one, too. Hey, uh, listen, uh, make sure you go to BrianKillMe.com if you want to order any of my books. Uh, that's Sam Houston, The Alamo Avengers. Thomas Jefferson, The Triple E Pirates, George Washington's Secret Six, which is now streaming as a TV documentary on Fox Nation, uh, as well as, which one did I forget? Andrew Jackson, The Miracle of New Orleans. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York, which is looking to raise your taxes despite getting a huge handout from Washington, D.C. 
Uh, we heard around the country, heard around the world. We'll be taking your calls at one 408 7669 The bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Senator Lindsey Graham. Next, we're going to be joined by Gabriel Sterling. He's the COO of, uh, of, the, state of uh, the Secretary of State of Georgia. Outraged, as I am, about what has happened with Major League Baseball and about 200 other companies who decided to condemn, probably without reading, what exactly the new law is when it comes to elections in Georgia. The ramifications are cataclysmic. When If Republicans are going to learn from this, it is you're going to have to win without corporate support. And then the corporations are going to go for the strong horse, and you have to decide if you ever want to be dependent on them again. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. To use a phrase from Elizabeth Warren, absent structural reform to how America does infrastructure, <clears throat> to make it more the way Canada does or more the way Australia does, it's going to be wasted money. It's not going to go into the ground. And that was Stephen Miller. Knows all about the immigration policy of Donald Trump. He helped implement it, clearing the way. The Senate rules look like it will pave the way for a party-line win for Joe Biden's wildly mislabeled infrastructure bill, which contains about 10% of funding for traditional infrastructure like roads and bridges. One problem, even some Dems see the error increasing taxes and pushing ahead with the disguised New Green Deal. Number two. Yeah, CBS and 60 Minutes haven't really been noted for their coverage of Andrew Cuomo's various woes. And I think it's you know, reasonable to suggest that the fact that DeSantis' star is rising in the Republican Party made him an, a tempting target for journalists on the left, which includes uh, most of the journalists at CBS News, if not nearly all of them. With two governors stunning fall from grace, Gavin Newsom of California now in the middle of a recall. Governor Cuomo of New York, subject of multiple unsavory investigations surrounding his seemingly unethical personal behavior, 60 Minutes decides to focus its intention on one of the most successful governors in the country, Ron DeSantis, and is blowing up in their self-important, arrogant faces, will report and correct the record. Number one. Georgia has 17 days of in-person early voting, including... Two optional Sundays. Colorado has 15. It's what I'm being told. So it uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but so hypocritical. It is so true. Uh, Governor Brian Kemp, he's uh, on Laura Ingram's show last night. Now it's official. Major League Baseball, in an effort to show their misplaced wokeness, has moved its July All-Star game from Atlanta to Colorado over Georgia's new election law. The problem with this moral decision Colorado is more restrictive than their voting regulations. In Georgia, our national pastime, which is already shedding fans, just found a way to alienate even more, mostly Republican. Who's to blame? I'd have to say it starts with the President of the United States and that gutless commissioner of baseball. Uh, joining me now, uh, a man that's no apologist uh, for Republicans. He's calling balls and strikes. Gabriel Sterling, chief operating officer in the office of Georgia Secretary of State. Um, Mr. Uh, um, Gabe, thank, welcome to our show. Hey, Brian, how are you doing this morning? Well, as COO, you're right in the middle of this. Are you surprised, first off, before we go over what has happened, of the firestorm around these election, this election law? I don't, uh, the only thing I'm surprised is the level of it around <clears> it and the, this, the blind acceptance of what wild-eyed partisans like Stacey Abrams say about the law. But she says it, CEOs hear it, the media hears it, it must be true. And... One of the things they said, but the president of the United States made everything worse when he comes out with his statement saying this is Jim Crow on steroids. How does it Jim Crow on steroids? Are you charging a poll tax? Are you telling are you are you doing a literacy test before people can show up to vote? It's this kind of 
ridiculous, over-the-top hyperbole that is creating bigger divisions in our nation, and especially on racial lines. And he ought to know better, and the reality is – and there's – I don't even know how best to describe it. His own state literally has no drop boxes, which were made legal in this law. They have no early voting, which is expanded in this law to – most urban areas will see 19 days of it, and they have to have a request to get an absentee. You have to either sick or out of town. In Georgia, we've had no, no excuse absentee passed by 100 percent Republican votes for 15 years, and this law continues to protect that. The idea that this law is somehow making it harder for people of color to vote is just not on its face true. But no matter what was passed by the Republican legislature of Georgia, that press release was ready and to get head out of all the Democrat mailboxes that says Georgia passes voter suppression. Insert whatever they pass here. Here's what uh, some of the comments the president has made. Cut 10. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. Deciding that you're going to end voting at 5 o'clock when working people are just getting off work. Mr. Sterling, are you sick? Is that true? <laughs> well, no, it's not true. I mean, the, the counties are allowed to move, go up to 7 o'clock. And also, we, like I said, we have expansive advanced voting for days and days and days. We have weekends that are mandated when people aren't working. I mean, it is so easy to register and so easy to vote in this state. We are one of the easiest places in the country. We have automatic voter registration, unlike essentially, I think, 48 other states, whereas if you get your driver's license – they automatically register you unless you say, no, no, don't register me, or they update your your address so we can have better, cleaner lists to vote on. And that's what's so frustrating. Democrats fight for dirty lists to vote on. They want to have no voter ID. They wanted to get rid of signature match, and that's what's another big irony. Just literally last year, the Democrats in Georgia sued to get rid of signature match, and now they're fighting – to keep signature match. No, no matter what happens when the ground shifts around them, they have to keep the narrative of voter suppression alive because it's a fantastic way to raise money, and it's a fantastic way to get your voters angry and scared and get them to get out and vote. Georgia's elections helped the presidency go to Joe Biden and helped the Senate, for the most part, go to Democrats, right? You won both. And the way they're rewarded is the president of the United States actually called for Major League Baseball to move the All-Star game. Now he says, well, it's not a decision. I didn't tell him to do that, but I'm glad they did it. So who is he, who is he really hurt with that July 13th game now in Colorado? Who is he hurt, uh, Mr. Sperling? You know who he's hurt? He's hurt all those people who are the waiters, the waitresses, the cleaning crews, people working at extra hours, the small business owners, the person that owns the independent hotel, the small restaurant tour, who have all been affected by COVID negatively, who are looking forward to this game, who have made investments to prepare for this game. We had 8,000 room cancellations already because of the movement of this game. It does nothing to affect any of those CEOs. It does nothing to affect any of the politicians who really voted for this thing or voted against this thing. It hurts the small business people and the, and the blue-collar workers in, the, in and around that area and all of Metro Atlanta. So here's Stacey Abrams saying, well, wait a second, I didn't say leave, cut three. Black, Latino, AAPI, and Native American voters whose votes are the most suppressed under SB 202 are also the most likely to be hurt by potential boycotts of Georgia. To our friends across the country, please do not boycott us. And to my fellow Georgians, stay and fight, stay and vote. So obviously baseball didn't listen. 
Obviously, they didn't. And, and here's the other thing. It's, it's the irresponsible rhetoric of people like Stacey Abrams that drives this kind of woke narrative that everybody says, I'm going to outdo, outdo you by being more woke than you. And eventually, being this woke can make everybody broke, and that's what's the horrible, disgusting part about all of this is they don't care about the consequences. All they care about is increasing their power and increasing their fundraising dollars. So when you look at the companies, I think the number was uh, 200 companies, 200 businesses have condemned it. Delta and Coke lead the to lead the charge. Coke condemns and says they're focused on supporting the federal law. They, I guess they're talking about HR one. Really? So they're they're actually picking bills that they like. Not a one of these people has read. SB 202 as it was passed, not a single one of them has read H.R. 1, and I guarantee you one other thing. Not a single one of these people signing these letters or making these protests have talked to a single election director at the county level who are the ones who run these elections who say, we needed a lot of the stuff in this bill to make our lives easier and make voting easier for people, but they don't care. All they care about is the appearance and keeping the woke mob at bay. Uh, by the way, we do have some sad news. Alcee Hastings, a Democratic congressman from Florida, has passed away at the age of 84. Uh, we'll see what happens there. No word on, uh, on the cause of death. Um, but when they said Jim Crow and Jim Crow on steroids, I mean, think about this. This is 1877. Lawmakers implemented a, a poll tax requiring would-be voters to pay a fee before casting a ballot. Then you had in 1907, they signed a bill uh, in Georgia amending the state constitution to create a literacy test for voting. But anyone descended from a Confederate Union soldier was exempt. Obviously, those are huge problems. A stain on America's past. But to go back and hearken to that, it makes you wonder. Uh, it makes you wonder what the overarching goal is. Because if the election day was tomorrow, even though you fervently believe, and I back you 100 percent, there's nothing unethical and unconstitutional about anything you passed. People are going to doubt the outcome if a Republican wins. Do they understand there's consequences to these statements? Well, in some ways they do, in some ways they don't. And the biggest part is they don't care. And this is one of the things, like you said when you started this, I call balls and strikes. In 2018, Stacey Abrams refused to concede, claimed she was cheated through voter suppression, and that was wrong, and it undermined people's confidence in the elections. In 2020, Donald Trump claimed there was widespread voter fraud. It was wrong, and it undermined people's confidence in the elections. Now it's 2021. They're saying that these are going to be voter suppression laws. It's going to undermine people's faith in the outcomes of elections regardless. And the problem we have, Brian, is we have – a functioning democratic republic based on people's perception and just gut feeling that it's fair and honest and the winner is the winner and the loser is the loser. But now both sides, left and right, and really the left has been the biggest one of this since you know the November election now since these, the passage of these bills. We have ballots so we can avoid bullets, and if we get to a point where people don't trust ballots, it goes down a very specific line, and it's not healthy, and it's not good, and everybody has to stop weaponizing election administration. It's just not healthy for the democracy. Uh, Gabriel Sterling with us, the chief operating officer in the office of the Georgia uh, Secretary of State. Uh, but, Gabriel, the other thing is Senator Warnock hasn't helped at all, so you need some of your leadership to help you out along the way, maybe from the other party. Do you sense it all? Have you had conversations, confidential conversations with corporations who might be realizing in a few days after that they're protesting things that don't exist in the bill that is now law? I'm not that cool, so they don't talk to me too much, but I know that the governor's office has reached out. Here's the really frustrating part. Uh, the legislature and the governor were working with corporations who didn't say a darn word about any issues with these until after they passed the bill. And all of a sudden they said, oh, no, we don't like this, even though they literally put out a statement the day after the bill was passed that they all signed off on, and then the following Monday 
there was a lot of pressure brought to bear by by this woke left wing mob. And you know, it started with the Delta CEO, who was his people. I don't know if he was, but his people were in these conversations. They knew it was in this law, and they were very happy it didn't go as far as a lot of people wanted to go in some ways. What we, you know, and now we, even President Trump has said that, it's that this, this bill didn't go far enough. So, <laughs> guess what? There's legitimate things to argue about election administration, but it's not all voter suppression. It's not all voter fraud. There's actual real work that has to get done by thousands of Georgians and Americans who work the polls and who do elections direction and, and do those very important jobs for Americans. And they're not all cheaters and they're not all suppressors. Right. So a couple of things. You you can close your polling station at five o'clock, but you, you can keep it open as late as seven. Is that true? You, keep, you can keep the county can decide to keep the early voting locations open as late as seven. But it's, we ne- have not changed Election Day. Election Day in Georgia is 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Every election day. That has not changed at all. So the, the ability to replace uh, precinct heads that are operating uh, inefficiently, well, why is that controversial? What prompted that move? Well, for years, the secretary of state's office gets criticized for all these county-level decisions. And, for, and so we've been complaining, saying, look, if you're going to hold us accountable, give us some level of responsibility over these failing counties. And they hate it when we talk about it, but it happens to be the county that I was raised in, which is Fulton, which is the largest county where the city of Atlanta is, and they consistently have long lines. They consistently have absentee ballots mishandled in terms of how they're processing them and getting them out to voters and stuff, and it hurts those voters. So what we had asked for was the ability to do that. Now, it's slightly different. They took the secretary of state out of the chain of command on this and moves it over to another appointment of the legislature. It doesn't change the partisan makeup, but it's a really involved process where – there has to be an investigation. The investigation involves a secretary of state employee and two local elections directors. They do the investigation of, the count, of that county. They bring that the, the process, product of that investigation back to the state election board. The state election board then has to do another hearing and decide whether or not they were going to fire that person or not. And then they can step in and, and put a replacement, a temporary replacement in. And then if the county didn't like it, they can take it back to a superior court and appeal it. There's lots of due process, but this is about – holding failing counties accountable. This is not about going in and switching votes. It's not about a president or former president calling saying, find me votes and change these these results around. That's not what this bill does. It's not what this bill allows, but it's a good, scary soundbite. Right. And what about, oh, I'm not going to give anybody water online. Well, this is one of those kind of things where we try to be reasonable. We tried to work with people, but you know, third-party partisan organizations were out there getting around the existing law, which basically says two things. One, it says, you can't do any electioneering within 150 feet of a polling place, which is pretty much standard across the country, whether it's 200 feet, 250 feet, 100 feet. There's always some distance at which we all kind of agree you're not going to politic anymore when they're actually standing in line to vote. And then a second part of the law says you cannot give anything of value to encourage people to vote, even if it's not for a particular person. We, we had to investigate and find people and give them letters of instruction because they say, hey, bring your voter sticker in. We'll get you a free Chick-fil-A or in a raffle for a turkey. You can't give anything of value. So those two laws were already on the books, but these third-party organizations were finding ways around it. Going, oh, we're just giving out water and food and trying to make fun. It's like, no, you, literally the law doesn't do that. So to make a bright line to allow for easier enforcement, we said you can't give it to them when they're in line at all. Basically, you can set up a station outside of 150 feet. You can give it to the poll manager, and they can give out water and food if you're really concerned about the safety of those people or, or their comfort. But you can't go up and start talking to people because think, put yourself in the position of a poll manager. They have no idea what they're talking about, but they have to go out there and try to enforce this. So having this bright line makes it a lot easier to enforce and makes the, the a level playing field for everybody. And you must have been stunned to gas when people are saying no water on people on long lines. That means you don't like minorities. <sighs> well— and again, it's just 
it's just frustrating because the long lines that existed really only existed in June because of COVID. We didn't have any lines in November and January. And you know where they existed? They existed in, in Democrat minority-run counties like right. Fulton and DeKalb. And right. that's, it's just frustrating because they're saying that, you know, by doing this, you're somehow – this is my favorite part of this. It's voter suppression. They're literally in line to vote. How Gabriel, is that suppressing their vote? <laughs> I know. I hear your frustration. You made it clear to everybody listening. Thanks so much. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. That was pretty educational, right? I mean, you talk about uh, what's going on. You're going to have the people who write the columns and give their opinions, but then you have guys that help write the law, and that was uh, Gabriel Sterling. And he's sitting there saying, this is what it takes. This is what went into it. This is why we had the water rule. This is why we had the, got rid of signature verification. This is nothing to do with minorities. We never had lines before. We only had lines in Democratic cities in, uh, in, the, uh, in November. And didn't have them, excuse me, in June. We didn't have them uh, with a, outside the pandemic before that. And it's them who are complaining about this. So it is amazing and it is astounding. And I just imagine if there are some true CEOs who are true leaders, they'll reverse and say, the more I look at this law, the more I realize it was really not a problem. Even Joe Biden says, I'm not calling for a boycott, but I've really, I support the move of the All-Star game. This is a state that helped deliver the Senate for you, and you disrespected every working class person in there, many of which I don't really know Atlanta too well. They say that there's a lot of minorities that are going to be directly affected. Do you hear what happened? 8,000 hotel reservations have been canceled already. Hotels that have been vacant for the last year finally had a little bit of hope, and they're gone. Congratulations, Mr. President. That is on you. Coming up next, Senator Lindsey Graham on his multiple visits to the border of the reality, as well as talks with Iran. We're actually in uh, Europe now begging to get involved to revive the 2015 horrible deal. Unbelievable. We'll talk about that in more. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show lindsey graham who i who i like he's you know he's a good person i've dealt with him very very well you know over the years you know equating me with things that i have to do at the border i mean i have nothing to do with the border i mean obviously it is a very difficult situation at the border we all know that the administration is trying as best as they can to alleviate that situation. I mean, having me down at the border, that's really not what I do, Neil. You know what I do. I develop vaccines. I develop countermeasures. I mean, having me at the border, I don't know why they're saying I should be at the border any more than someone who has experience in those types of things. But he can comment on spring break as much as you want. He can comment on your cookouts, but he can't comment on what's going on at the border. So we thought we'd ask uh, Senator Lindsey Graham to come on, ranking member of the Senate Budget Committee, uh, since his name was brought up. And I do agree. He is a good guy. Uh, Senator Graham, do you want to answer the good doctor? Well, number one, I think I like Dr. Fauci. This has been tough for the whole world, not just the United States. But he's in charge of advising President Biden about how to deal with the pandemic, right? 
uh, I would assume he would be advising as to whether or not we should have travel bans from certain countries, uh, whether or not we should go back in lockdown, the, the state of play in terms of how the virus is spreading. Again, I like Dr. Fauci. I wear a mask. I would encourage people to wear a mask when they're around people in the appropriate settings. I've taken the vaccine. I would encourage you to take the vaccine. I wash my hands regularly. I'm trying to be a responsible citizen here and take take the virus seriously. My point is, if you're in charge of advising the President of the United States about how to stop the spread of COVID and contain this virus, you have to go to the border because we had 170,000 people enter our country legally in March that we caught about a 10% positive rate, and what I saw was just a nightmare. So with all due respect to Dr. Fauci, I'm I'm asking him to go down there and review the system in place regarding the catch-and-release program we now have uh, put in place, regarding the protocols of uh, keeping migrants, testing them, releasing them into the country, because to me it is just ripe for a super spreader event. If you're worried about a bunch of people going to a ball game in Texas, everybody being in the stadium, and you haven't gone to the border, uh, that just amazes me that the President of the United States and the Vice President constantly tell us as Americans what we can't do, but neither one of them have been to the border to investigate and oversee what I think is a completely chaotic situation. As to Dr. Fauci, I'm not recommending that you go to the border to fix an immigration problem. I am recommending you go to the border and see how immigration policies are impacting the pandemic. And there's no good reason for the president, the vice president, Dr. Fauci, not to see this firsthand. Right. And and by the way, if you can comment on baseball games, if you can comment on uh, on spring break, if you can comment on getting together and in, uh, in, in groups of five with people you only know wearing a mask from four feet away. Why wouldn't you comment on something that has everything to do with the largest state in the country, followed by Arizona, New Mexico and California? Because there is no control of the border. Could you recommend you flood the zone with uh, rapid tests? Can you recommend a certain distancing? Can you say I urge President Biden um, to go ahead and create more structures or more uh, or more security because I'm worried about the rest of the country? Why isn't that your your auspices? Because here's it's because I, he's a politician. That's why. Yeah, here's what I would recommend. There was a time that we basically shut down travel into the United States from China and other places. Yep. I think it's now to shut down the immigration system and have a timeout. What they've done by alleviating, by abolishing the remaining Mexico policy, where you no longer have to wait in Mexico to get an asylum court date, people released into the interior of the United States, there'll be two million people hit our border by the end of the year at this rate. Unaccompanied minors are not repatriated back to their home country. You no longer have to apply for asylum in your home country. You no longer have to wait in Mexico. Uh, we don't deport people anymore. We've had a moratorium on deportations. Bottom line is we send every signal to Central America and the rest of the world come here. Terrorists are coming across the uh, suspected terrorists are coming across the border. The bottom line is it is a completely out of control situation in terms of national security, and I think of uh, of COVID. So what what I want to do is is to have Dr. Fauci or somebody uh, with the ear of the president go down there and look at it firsthand and make recommended changes because you're talking about telling people in Texas, don't go to a football game, I mean, excuse me, a baseball game, but you're releasing thousands of people into the interior of Texas and other places uh, that have been living on top of each other. It makes no sense. 
It doesn't. Uh, a couple of things. If you want to know what, what drives me nuts about Dr. Fauci, I feel as though he's a politician. I mean, he didn't like President Trump, doesn't really fan of Republicans. And he played his hand to me about a month ago when he said this to Rachel Maddow. I've been wanting to come on your show for months and months. You've been asking me to come on your show for months and months. And it's just gotten blocked. That's I mean, let's let's call it what it is. It just got blocked because they didn't like the way you handle things and they didn't want me on there. I mean, it was so clear when we sent it down. Why would you want to go and make your Rachel Maddow show? Well, because I like her and she's really good. It right. Well, why would a doctor sit there lobbying to do shows? All I can say is I'm not I'm not going after Dr. Fauci. I don't want to go down that road. I think he's made his. But isn't that kind of ridiculous to lobby to get on a late night show yeah, as but, a well, doctor leading a pandemic uh, yeah. uh, plan? Well, here's what's here's what's obvious to me. There is a gap in in our system protecting us from COVID infections. We're being overwhelmed by illegal immigrants with a 10% positive rate at least. They're being housed in facilities that were designed for 80 people, and you have up to almost 1,000. The um, positive population is being intermingled. I saw that myself. People are flooding from all over the world to our border. I just can't believe you can look me or anybody else in the eye with a straight face and say the border is not my job. If it is your job to advise the President of the United States about potential spreaders of the pandemic, you need to go to the border because I can't think of an event that has more potential to spread the pandemic than this uh, wave of illegal immigration at the border. And, and to deny that is just not appropriate. Uh, by the way, we saw the pictures that they wanted you guys to delete uh, of what was going on in the Donna facility. There's nobody socially distanced there, three feet or three inches. Let's move on and talk about what was happening on Sunday. One last thing. The Border Patrol is doing the best they can. They're finally being vaccinated with state funds, mostly, and they're telling us they're pleading for help. You've got to go back to the old policies or we're going to be overwhelmed. Fifty percent of the force now is uh, processing illegal immigrants, less people to deal with drugs and terrorism and all the other things the Border Patrol is supposed to be doing. So I just want to give a shout-out to the Border Patrol agents and their family who are being asked to do the impossible, and it's unfair to them. Absolutely. So, Senator, uh, let's move on and, and, and talk about what else happened at the border. Uh, what happened at the border is uh, they caught two uh, people on the, ter- on the FBI uh, terrorist watch list from yeah. Syria. So what about people that say to you, you're just hyping things up and saying that that's a, that's a gateway for terrorists? Well, th- there's a narrative going on now that, uh, that the Trump policies were inhumane and that they need to be changed and that we're ripping kids away from the parents. Uh, there's no validity to that. If you're worried about people being housed in cages, what I saw at the border at Donna facility was people being put in a room five or six hundred people put in a room for 80. And what they're doing is expanding the ability to process these folks, opening up new facilities, just entices more illegal immigration. The terrorism problem. I mentioned this months ago. This is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. There's two things that stand out to me. The Capitol was overrun and taken uh, by a group of protesters who were literally unarmed in terms of they didn't shoot their way into the Capitol. A terrorist now is looking at political organizations to infiltrate. We'll get you closer to these buildings. Uh, so that's a concern. What happened at the Capitol 20 years after 9-11 is stunning. 
that people could take over the House and the Senate. Number two, the border is beyond porous. It is literally open. They drop 40 or 50 uh, migrants, uh, children, uh, young women. The Border Patrol goes to process them. That leaves the rest of the border open. It would be so easy for a terrorist group to just literally walk into the United States as part of these caravans. And we're seeing more and more evidence of people from the Mideast coming to the border, not just Central America. There's a hole in our national security net at the border, and terrorism are go- terrorists are going to exploit it if we don't close it. I just, I've never seen a president indifferent. Barack Obama was not indifferent. Uh, president Trump was not indifferent. doesn't mean there weren't problems. But they tried to attack it. They didn't pretend it wasn't happening. I want to shift gears if I can. Governor DeSantis was uh, somehow subjected to criticism on 60 Minutes. When you got a governor like Gavin Newsom being recalled, you have nine women accusing the governor of New York of sexual harassment including favoritism when it comes to testing vaccine for his family and friends. They choose Governor DeSantis to go after. Listen to this. Cut 20. The criticism is that it's pay to play, Governor. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative and you don't care about the facts because obviously I laid it out for you in a way that is irrefutable. Well, I, I and so like, it's clearly not. Isn't there the nearest no, public no, no, glades no, is 30 wrong, miles wrong, away? Yes, That's sir. actually a fact. No, it is. So that was the way it aired. But now Ron DeSantis was rolling on it, too. This is what actually took place as he was accused of using Publix because it was a donor, not because it's the biggest supermarket in the country, and, and not having Democratic support and just serving the Republican rich communities. Cut 21. As we got into January, we wanted to expand the distribution points. So, yes, you had the counties. You had some drive through sites. You had hospitals that were doing a lot. But we wanted to get it into communities more. So we reached out to other retail pharmacies, Publix, Walmart. Obviously, CVS and Walgreens had to finish that mission. And we said, we're going we're gonna to use you as soon as you're done with that. For the Publix, they were the first one to raise their hand, say they were ready to go. And you know what? We did it on a trial basis. I had three counties. I actually showed up that weekend and talked to seniors across four different Publix. How was the experience? Is this good? Should you think this is the way to go? And it was 100% positive. And it's worked. They're right in the middle, if not the top half, of vaccine distribution. What's your take, Governor, uh, Senator? Well, number one, it was what they didn't tell you was the most telling about the piece. Apparently, the mayor of Palm Beach County is a Democrat, was involved in this decision about using Publix as a vaccine site. And he was interviewed by the 60 Minutes producer, but he was not put on the air. And he's now coming out and telling the whole world I did talk to the governor. We talked about this together. There was collaboration, and we were, we, were, we were okay with the decision to use Publix. It had nothing to do with the PAC check. So to me, leaving out that, that statement, that testimony, made the story something that it's not. And unfortunately, you know, I'm old enough to remember 60 Minutes as being sort of the premier place to deal with abuse of power, catching people doing bad things. Remember, Dan, rather, when they tried to manipulate the story about President uh, 43's uh, National Guard service, that blew up in their face. This, to me, is an obvious effort to portray a storyline about uh, Governor DeSantis that's inaccurate to hurt him politically. And the mainstream media is declaring war on all things conservative and all things Republican, and it's blowing up in their face. And I'm hoping, and I have sent out a tweet just a few minutes ago, asking 60 Minutes to correct this story, because if they do not, if they do not show the other side of the story, 
the mayor of Palm Beach's testimony saying he collaborated with the governor, then they truly are a political organization, not a news organization. I mean, why would you choose Governor DeSantis over to Governor Cuomo? You could even save on expenses. They're headquarters in New York. Well, you say, well, you have nine women to choose from. One will talk to you. <laughs> you know, you might even get Governor Cuomo who's arrogant you, enough to sit and talk. Why do you ask me questions you know the answer to? How dare I do that? It'll never happen again. <laughs> uh, 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 Senator, i got to bring you to what's happening now. Major League Baseball, you talk about uh, all things against really. Republicans. Yeah. Now you have corporations, 200, condemn Georgia's voting laws, and some major corporations take action, one of which is Major League Baseball, and move to Colorado, where you could argue there's more restrictive voting laws there than Georgia. I've never seen something so misportrayed, and it started with your buddy, Senator Joe Biden turned President Joe Biden, talking about what he perceived to be Georgia's laws. Listen. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. Deciding that you're going to end voting at 5 o'clock when working people are just getting off work. Says it's Jim Crow on steroids to ESPN. Yeah, Yeah, I saw that. So, number one, um, the Biden administration has been the most radically liberal uh, group that I've encountered in a very long time. I've always liked Joe Biden. I don't know what's happened here. But it's un-American, in my view, to accuse the entire state of Georgia of being uh, Jim Crow followers, saying that the state of Georgia is a racist place. This has got nothing to do with Georgia voting laws. This is designed to pass H.R. 1. Now, how do you pass H.R. 1, which is a federal takeover elections? You make the argument that states are abusing their power. They're denying African Americans and other minorities the ability to vote. So we had to federalize election laws, uh, Just, and, and that's the reason. The reason they're attacking Georgia and making up these stories about Georgia is to build support for H.R. 1. Here's the problem. You have 17 days to vote in the state of Georgia. You have to produce an ID, but you have to produce an ID to about go anywhere, and they'll give you an ID for free if you don't have one. 17 days plus weekends is not exactly denying you the ability to vote. They're making mail-in balloting easier, but they're making it also more verifiable. So this storyline about Georgia is completely false. It's designed to accuse uh, the Georgia voting system of being racist to justify passing H.R. 1. And Stacey Abrams, who started all this, actually uh, uh, got the website Jim Crow 2.0 before they even passed the law. So this is an orchestrated effort to label Texas and Georgia and other states as racist enclaves justifying the taking over the of the election system by the federal government. And Joe Biden is accusing the people of Georgia of being racist. And I hope they remember this in 2022 when you have a Senate race. Senator Lindsey Graham, always great. Thank you so much. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Disinfection is only recommended in indoor settings, schools, and homes where there has been a suspected or confirmed case of COVID-19 within the last 24 hours. 
So what did she say? What was her point? Her point is basically now you officially you don't need to wipe down groceries and services and things like that. Just you know how that's been... driven me nuts? I know, that's why. It's just absolutely insane. We, had, we didn't even know what to do. Grab your bags. Don't touch the bag. Well, how are we supposed to wipe the bag down if we can't touch the bag? Then we had to bring it in. Then we had to wipe down our groceries. I was buying things judging by how difficult it would be to wipe down. Seriously? Pe- <laughs> yeah, people were shopping with gloves on. And, but we knew this. People still do. Yeah, well, four months ago, they said, oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure you can't get it from services. Can we stop doing it at health clubs now? Yeah, the, the over... Well, oh, like, to be again, fair, yeah. you wiped down prior to the pandemic at gyms. Really? I'm not... I wasn't... Oh, you were one of those dirty gym guys? Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not wiping <laughs> things down. That's one thing of people working there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable how much they got wrong. They don't really admit it. They also don't say this. Once you get vac- vaccinated... You can't carry the virus. Can you admit that we don't have to wear a mask anymore? Nope, two masks. No, I'm not wearing a mask. One more shot, I'm not wearing a mask. April 19th, no more masks. Oh, they got to wear it a week, then no more masks. Tough. I don't really wear that many anyway. <laughs> you get yelled at even when you do. I really do. Here we go again with the theater. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. 1-866-408-7669. Bottom of the hour, I'm going to be joined by Chris Mazzilli. He's the owner of uh, Gotham Comedy Club. As you know, it opened up in New York City. This is the capital of entertainment. Sorry about that, Los Angeles. And they shut down almost all small and medium and large theaters you know over the past year. But when they started opening up bars, they would not open up comedy clubs. Of course, they don't open up Broadway. Even though they could spread out, and with the, almost none of those tables are, are screwed in, they can make adjustments to the side of the room. They could break up rooms. They never gave them an opportunity. Well, Friday they opened. Jerry Seinfeld opened up that stage. What's it been like as a small business owner in a big city? We're going to talk to Chris Mazzilli about that, and then we're going to talk to Howie Kurtz about the double standard of 60 Minutes, uh, who are targeting the hottest uh, Republican candidate, the most impressive Republican uh, lawmaker out there, uh, arguably, Governor Ron DeSantis. Not Governor Cuomo, not Gavin Newsom, about to be recalled, Governor DeSantis. And then they skewer him. So bad, they don't even rerun any of this or talk about it on CBS this morning, the next day. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. To use a phrase from Elizabeth Warren, absent structural reform to how America does infrastructure (laughs) to make it more the way Canada does or more the way Australia does, it's going to be wasted money. It's not going to go into the ground. And that's what they're talking about with the uh, $2.2 trillion clearing the way. The Senate rules look like it will pave the way for a party line win for Joe Biden's wildly mislabeled infrastructure bill, which contains only 10 percent of funding for traditional infrastructure. One problem, even some Dems uh, see the error in increasing taxes and pushing ahead with the disguised new Green Deal. 
Number two. Yeah, CBS and 60 Minutes haven't really been noted for their coverage of Andrew Cuomo's various woes, and I think it's you know, reasonable to suggest that the fact that DeSantis' star is rising in the Republican Party made him an, a tempting target for journalists on the left, which includes uh, most of the journalists at CBS News, if not nearly all of them. With two senators falling from grace, Newsom and Cuomo, I'm just wondering why 60 Minutes chose DeSantis. It's blowing up in their self-important, arrogant faces. Number one. Georgia has 17 days of in-person early voting, including two optional Sundays. Colorado has 15. That's what I'm being told. So it uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but so hypocritical. Now it's official. Major League Baseball, in an effort to show their misplaced wokeness, has moved its July All-Star game from Atlanta to Colorado. Why? Over Georgia's new election law. The problem, the moral decision, Colorado's more restrictive with their voting in many ways than Georgia ever was. Our national pastime, already shedding fans, found a way to shed even more and alienate them along the way. I've talked to a lot of people not watching baseball anymore. I mean, let's look at this uh, Georgia law. In Colorado, 15 days of early voting for Georgia, 17. Allows no excuse vote by mail for Georgia. Uh, allows no excuse vote by mail by Colorado. All registered voters receive mail ballots. Absentee ballots received automatically in Colorado. Uh, ballot ID required to vote by mail. Bans passing out food and water to voters in line within 150 feet in Georgia, but allows for unattended water uh, receptacles. You can drop it off and they will hand it out. They don't want electioneering. They don't want people handing out T-shirts. They don't want people handing out heroes or beards. They just want you to vote and go home. 200 businesses have condemned this. Delta, Coke condemns it. American Express, BlackRock condemn them. Home Depot condemns it. No one's even read it. And it really is because the president, who really called for it to move, now says he didn't call for it to move, but supports that it moved, goes out and calls it Jim Crow on steroids. Totally irresponsible. Even Stacey Abrams says, yeah, even though I called it Jim Crow 2.0, even before it was finalized and signed, I think you went too far. Cut three. Black, Latino, API, and Native American voters whose votes are the most suppressed under SB 202 are also the most likely to be hurt by potential boycotts of Georgia. To our friends across the country, please do not boycott us. And to my fellow Georgians, stay and fight, stay and vote. So the damage done is already being felt. We had the COO of the Secretary of State on. His name is Gabriel Sterling. You saw him all around because he was not agreeing with the president that uh, the, that, that Georgia threw the election for Joe Biden. You know that. But now he's out there just trying to tighten up the laws, laws of which Donald Trump came out and said, I think they should have went further. No more signature verification. What they're going to do is just ask for an ID when you ask for a no-excuse ballot or an absentee ballot. Here's what he said about some of the most controversial issues. For example, when it comes to water online. And what about, oh, I'm not going to give anybody water online. Well, this is one of those kind of things where we try to be reasonable. We try to work with people. But, you know, third-party partisan organizations were out there getting around the existing law, which basically says two things. One, it says you can't do any electioneering within 150 feet of a polling place, which is pretty much standard across the country, whether it's 200 feet, 250 feet, 100 feet. There's always some distance at which we all kind of agree you're not going to politic anymore when they're actually standing in line to vote. And then a second part of the law says you cannot give anything of value to encourage people to vote, even if it's not for a particular person. So is that that big a deal? But that's part of the reason why Joe Biden, ill-informed or intentionally deceptive, said it's sick. 
He goes on to say about another provision about the polls closing early. You can close your polling station at five o'clock, but you you can keep it open as late as seven. Is that true? You, keep, you can keep, the county can decide to keep the early voting locations open as late as seven, but it's, we ne- have not changed election day. Election day in Georgia is seven a.m. to seven p.m. every election day. That has not changed at all. Here's what Joe Biden says: unbelievably irresponsible as president. He said a lot of things totally irresponsible as president that were flat out inaccurate. Here's one of them: cut eleven. This is Jim Crow on steroids. What they're doing in in Georgia and 40 other states. What it's all about. Imagine passing a law saying you cannot provide water or food for someone standing in line to vote. Can't do that? Come on. Or you're going to close a polling place at 5 o'clock when working people just get off? This is all about keeping working folks and ordinary folks that I grew up with from being able to vote. We stopped with I grew up with. Dad loses a job staring at the ceiling. Oh, I'm, I, I, He's only been a national figure as far as I, I'm concerned. And we get the same stories over and over again. So now these corporations pick up and leave. I'm sure most of them never even read the bill. So Republicans are going to find themselves alone. They don't have Wall Street. They don't have corporate America. They got blue-collar America is what they got to do. They got to realize that. And the goal was, and I totally agree, that Lindsey Graham brought up on our show today, that the goal is to get so much sentiment that you have to pass federalized elections because local elections are just not cracking down and being open and fair and honest with minorities in America. Molly Hemingway, Cut 13. We had, for the first time in history, a sitting president of the United States declare economic warfare against a state because they passed a bill lawfully and dutifully that he disagreed with because it would make it slightly more difficult to have fraudulent voting. It has been misreported every step of the way and having and pressuring corporations to punish the people of a state and punish the people of a city is completely inappropriate. And yet because the media have engaged in such propaganda about it, corporations are bullied into literally destroying the entire country. We don't have any unity. They've mm-hmm. actually taken over baseball and told Republican voters that they should not be able to enjoy baseball. Let me just tell you, if you're the commissioner of baseball, football, base, you know, MLS, just make a stand. Yeah, my, my problem is, yeah, that Georgia election law, there's some things that bother me about it or they don't bother me about it. I read the bill. I don't have a problem with it. Just take a stand. So listen, I really can't afford to lose the 50 and ups, uh, most of which, a lot of which are Republican. I can't afford to lose 50 and down. What I'm going to do is just say, we're keeping the All-Star game here. We have a contract to honor. And this time, we do not want this type of change. We're already taking precautions. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. And I just keep in mind, I want to play this Charles Barkley cut that he said over the weekend. And I thoroughly, I'm believing it more and more with each passing hour, not even day, each passing hour. For the most part, we get along. Up until the last few years, no one was talking about race in America. We could always make improvements. More black coaches here. More black CEOs there. More Hispanics here. I get it. Always make improvements. But it wasn't America, the racist country. And I think Charles Barkley, who grew up in the, in the Deep South, would understand that better than most. Listen to what he said over the weekend. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. They divide and conquer. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people, but we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. And their only job is, hey, 
Let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Uh, let's, let's scramble the middle class. 100% believe it. And by, by the way, he moves in all circles. Uh, the rich, the famous, the great athletes. Uh, he grew up in uh, a rural section, went to Auburn. So he sees it all. And he often speaks the truth, and I think he's 100% right. I actually don't see a lot of Republicans dividing. I see Republicans sitting there going, excuse me, uh, I'm a racist again? Well, what's going on here? Uh, this corporation is apologizing again, or you're demanding an apology here again? What, what's happening? I think it's happening on the other side because it's been so effective. It's got to stop being effective. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. What they didn't tell you also, Tucker, is when there was a need in a more rural part of the county, like near Lake Okeechobee, we set up a separate site in a small town called Pahokee. They didn't tell you that. They didn't tell you that we were doing African-American church vaccination drives before Publix ever gave a single shot. They didn't tell you that. They didn't tell you that hospitals were doing shots starting in the third week of December because it didn't fit the narrative. They don't believe in facts. It was a political narrative. It was done with malicious intent and a reckless disregard for the truth. They would not talk to the people who were most relevant to this because they know those key Democrats, Jared Moskowitz, Mayor Dave Kerner, would blow up their narrative. So they just put their head in the sand and pretended like those facts didn't exist. And that was Governor Ron DeSantis, who was the target of a, a, a pretty aggressive piece at 60 Minutes, prompting uh, them to really try to con- try to the audience to conclude that Ron DeSantis took care of his donors, not the uh, not the people of Florida. And in the end, I think this blew up in their face. And a lot of it, the indication to me is they didn't run anything the rest of the week, including on their CBS Sunday morning show about this. Howard Kurtz joins us now, host of Media Buzz, Sundays at 11 till 12, uh, to repeat it as well. Uh, he's also the author of Media Madness. Uh, Howard Kurtz, uh, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Good to talk to you. Howard, were you surprised? I mean, did you watch the piece uh, Sunday when it came on? Were you surprised they chose DeSantis? And what do you think about what's happened since? I certainly was not surprised that a major CBS show would go after Ron DeSantis. The mainstream media does not like the governor of Florida. That's been clear. There's been a year-long effort to depict him as incompetent and reckless on COVID-19. What I was surprised at was that a show of 60 Minutes' caliber would run such a one-sided piece, not even proving the thesis that, yes, you could raise a question. Publix gets this vaccine contract in Palm Beach County or weeks earlier and it contributed $100,000 to DeSantis' pack. But uh, 60 Minutes, the egregious thing here, the reason this was botched, the reason there is such a backlash against the show was that when the reporter, Sharon Alfonsi, went to a news conference to confront uh, Governor DeSantis, they didn't use most of what he said in his own defense. Key stuff like the fact that other pharmacies had been in the program before Publix, the fact that he consulted with Palm Beach County officials, and on and on and on. And you can't do that and get away with it. You've been in so many newsrooms. Wouldn't you think that if you actually wanted to do, you know, to address a governor in the middle of controversy, Governor Cuomo would grade pretty high. The expenses are low. He's right in New York. He's got nine uh, sexual 
uh, harassment accusers. He's got uh, uh, charges of favoritism when it came to testing and the vaccines. Uh, And he was once this this fall from grace is certainly intriguing. Wouldn't that have all the makings of a good 60 minutes piece? You would think. Um, Now, CBS has covered uh, a lot of the allegations. In fact, CBS was the first to interview on television one of the sexual harassment accusers against Andrew Cuomo. But, you know, probably they thought, look, in 60 Minutes pieces for all the the good journalism that the show has done over the years uh, work best when you have a reporter confronting a bad guy. And they decided that Ron DeSantis is the bad guy. Look, he's a Trump ally. He has kind of a Trumpian style. And one of the reasons I think that this whole controversy helps Ron DeSantis is increasingly being talked about as a potential White House contender for 2024, is that he knows how to give it back to the press. I mean, I just heard that clip. He was on uh, Fox. He's very good at sticking it to the press and talking about false narratives and so forth. And here, he not only has the facts on his side, the fact that this Democratic mayor of Palm Beach County said uh, this morning on America's Newsroom that he had sought out 60 Minutes, that he had spent nearly an hour talking to 60 Minutes, that he had supported the Republican governor on the use of Publix, which is, you know, a hugely popular chain in Florida, 800 stores, and that none of what he said got used, I think is a devastating blow um, to the CBS magazine program. Will they acknowledge? Well, do you think they'll acknowledge the criticism and where they might be culpable? Do you think 60 Minutes will do that? Well, I got in touch with 60 Minutes yesterday. I said, you know, what do you want to say about this? And I got a very terse statement saying, well, uh, as we do often for clarity, we use the most important part of the yeah. governor's response. Now, look, I get it. You know, nobody in television can run every single thing a politician says. But if you don't have time for extended sound bites, then you at least take the strongest points. And it's in fundamental journalism 101 fairness that the governor made in his defense. And you summarize them so people will know some of these other facts. Uh, and every single thing in that story, including the fact that, you know, more people got vaccinated in rich counties and fewer in minority communities, something a lot of states have been struggling with, was calculated to put Ron DeSantis in a bad light. I want you to hear the other story. Two stories I'll never understand. I'll never understand the way the president of the United States called out the Georgia election law, and I'll never understand how Hunter Biden, that story got frozen. Anyone who tried to retweet it uh, got locked out. So I want you to hear Hunter Biden then adds to the to, to my uh, to, to keeps me perplexed when he decides to roll out a book. Listen to what he said about the most controversial element of his background. Is that laptop yours? Uh, it's it, you don't need the laptop. You got a book. <laughs> you got the book. It's all in the book. And I don't know. I, I truly that you don't know. The serious answer is that I truly do not know the answer to that. Did you leave a, a laptop with a repairman not in Wilmington? Not, not that you remember. remember. No, no. But whether or not um, somebody has my laptop, whether or not uh, it was my, uh, my was hacked, whether or not there it, so it you get it. Uh, Dan Bongino saw, saw the he used his hit. Hunter Biden signed for this. So <laughs> Howie, come on, Howie, what's going on here? <laughs> Well, look, Hunter Biden wrote a book that's mostly about his struggles with addiction, and he's getting some sympathetic media coverage for that, also reported $2 million advance. But he knew he had to know he would be creating more political headaches for his father, the president, by publishing this book. And he had to know he's going to be asked about the laptop. He's asking us to believe that this laptop, which surfaced mysteriously from a Delaware computer shop, that had a lot of his emails on it having to do with his foreign business dealings, the authenticity of which has not really been disputed, that he doesn't know maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was Russian intelligence. Uh, It just doesn't pass the smell test. And I think uh, um, 
journalists are, pro- are right to press him on that because it is part of right. his public record. Howie Kurtz, uh, always great. Uh, thanks for the instant analysis. A lot of intriguing things out there involving the media as usual. Media buzz Sundays at 11, repeated throughout the day. Howard, thanks. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Coming up next, Chris Mazzilli. What's it like to own the premier comedy club in Manhattan? His most expensive real estate in Manhattan, not being able to earn money for a year. He finally opened up on Friday, just 33%. Can he survive? Seinfeld chilling up certainly helped. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I felt like getting electrocuted in a good way. The audience was great, and I was actually feeling like, can I still do this? You know, I don't know if I, you wonder if you remember, it's like not playing tennis for a year. And so as soon as I got up, the audience exploded and I just felt so at home. And I I mean, I love this club and I love performing in New York. So uh, I try, I didn't want to get emotional, but uh, I'm really excited to uh, be helping to bring it back. And it's part of getting back to normal. I know in California, they're starting to let uh, concerts come back. And uh, I know in New York City, comedy means so much to this city. If you're an up-and-comer, it's the only way to do it. You go up anytime, anywhere, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. But when you're Seinfeld, you need to work out. Like any athlete, you need to work out. And for a year, they said you can't. You can't work out. He rolled out a book. He rolled out a, maybe a special or two. But uh, nothing new. But when he decided to go up, it was no coincidence that he chose Gotham Comedy Club. He has said to everybody who has ears, it's his favorite club in Manhattan. And the owner of that club and a good friend of Jerry Seinfeld is Chris Mazzilli, uh, who I've known for years and one of the hardest working, most successful businessmen, diverse businessmen in New York, and probably resourceful because he's still alive a year with with being, being unable to open up his business. Chris, welcome back to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Brian, always good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Welcome back to business. What, yeah, what has it been? What was it like when you finally opened up on Friday? It was awesome. It was awesome. And to have Jerry, you know, go on first, it was uh, it was uh, one of those magical evenings. And that's what makes New York City great. That things like that happen. You know, that crowd was in there not expecting that to happen. And boom, Jerry Seinfeld's on stage. Now, what made you decide to book him? I, you know what? I didn't book him. He booked me. He, he, he called me that day and just said, I want to come in and I want to go on first. And I was like, awesome. Great. And he's, he's been amazing, an amazing friend to the club uh, and just a, an all-around great guy. So tell me the rules now. What are the rules for comedy club owners like you, Chris? We're at 33%. You know, and uh, we do temp checks when people come in, social distance, the table is set apart. Um, you know, we have actually a dedicated a staff member, their only function is to wipe down and clean the club the whole night, constantly spraying services, doorknobs. That's all they do. All our staff wears masks. You know, there are hand sanitizers all over the club, uh, signage all over the club. So, you know, we're all on it. You know, we're all over it. So 33%, how many seats is that? And can you live on that? Listen, it's not easy. You know, it's it's a start. You know, I, I don't think live is the right word. It's probably just about survival for now. Uh, you know, for us, it's roughly 100 people is what we're looking at. 
So you mentioned, this is what drives me nuts personally, all the rules keep changing, and they don't acknowledge that they're changing. So first, remember they told us to wipe down everything, you got to wipe down everything? Listen to what the CDC just said. Disinfection is only recommended in indoor settings, schools, and homes where there has been a suspected or confirmed case of COVID-19 within the last 24 hours. So we've been wiping everything down. You're wiping things down. Health clubs are full-time people with... uh, uh, with smocks and rags and spray bottles, and they go, oops, I really don't think it spreads that way. Yeah, listen, it's an ever-changing <laughs> thing. We just kind of we, we kind of roll with the punches. Whatever it is, whatever they suggest we do, we'll do. I mean, we're going to continue to wipe down services because it just seems to make sense. Um, yeah. All right. So what's the last year been like, Chris? It's strange. You know, very, very strange, you know, Um I have another business out in Long Island. It's a classic car restoration shop called Dream Car Restoration. That's been open the whole time. You know, we've social distanced out there. The guys have stayed apart and been very, very fortunate. You know, um, no one's really gotten sick. Uh, so it's it's different. You know, I mean, going to the club over the past year, it's just, it's just this, you know, empty, huge space. It's strange. I mean, listen, I understand why it happened, you know, and I'm just glad that we're on the other side of it. And, you know, back open for business. And, and, you know, people are responding well to it. The audiences that we've had so far have been really excited, happy to come out and, you know, be back in a comedy club. Well, absolutely. And I also think about the comedians. You would stand up yourself. That's how you broke in. They said, I'd rather own this place. But you need to work out. It's like it's like a uh, athlete. So especially when so you're true. up and coming, Chris, where do you go? We're, we're for the last year, and then, we, okay, well, I'll bartend until they open up again. I'll wait tables. Oops, that's closed, too. Yeah, you know what? I mean, many did like Zoom shows and, and some of the states, the surrounding states that were open, people are going out and doing shows. But it's just, you know, you need the regularity of getting on stage. That's hence like the, the gym reference all the time. You need to work it out, you know. Uh, and by the way, I'll mention, yes, I was a stand up, but that's how we met because you were a stand up, too. Let's not forget that. Right. But you were teaching the classes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I started, I took a class. I went up for about 10 years. But and then, Chris, next thing you know, when I got back to New York, you're like, hey, Brian, I own this place. I'm not doing stand up anymore. I own Gotham. And, uh, yeah. and then it's got this great reputation. You do it's a TV show, you got a TV series. But all the comedians, like, if you can get up at Gotham, you've arrived. And can you explain the attraction? Not only Seinfeld's your friend, but he, what is it about your club that he tells you works for him? Yeah, you know what? I just think it, it, it's kind of a feel, a vibe, and, and maybe the way we maintain it. You know, it just seems to, you know, I think our demo is also a demo that he plays too well. Um, it just, you know, it's a good marriage. It works out very, very well for both ends, I would think. Who's coming up this week? You know, we've got some great lineups. What we're doing, you know, during the 33% thing is just all-star lineups, you know, um, our best guys out there, best girls, um, instead of doing a headliner, because it really – Right now, at 33%, doesn't make sense for us to bring a headliner in. Can't lose money. Uh, what yeah. do they do about uh, a rent and lease? Like, what do you, when, when you talk to other restaurant owners, too, do you look at each other and just shrug? Where do you expect yeah. me to get this money from? Exactly. I mean, you know what? What I've heard, you know, and I'll include our landlords, most landlords are working with, you know, the restaurants and clubs because they have to. We're all in this together, you know. Nobody did anything wrong. This just happened to us. You know, so now it's about survival and we all help each other out because you know what? The restaurants feed us. We feed them. The bars, the same thing, you know, like people don't just come most of the time to a comedy club. They're usually going to dinner before, 
you know, and maybe to a bar afterwards. So we all need to survive, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you, like, our landlord's been fantastic, you know. Uh, the, the Brodsky organization who reps, you know, owns our building, they, they've been terrific. They've been really working with us. So that, that helps because you have a lot of empty buildings. Do you look left and right and see a lot of empty stores? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I walk around the city a lot, and it's, uh, you know, listen, New York will always be New York, and it's still a fantastic city, but it, it's hard, you know, to see all these vacant businesses. Right. And there, was there rent forgiveness? Were there Were there things that you could do? Yeah, you know what I mean? I've talked to a lot of different club owners and restaurant owners, and, and you know, I, I think different landlords are doing different things. But for the most part, most of what I heard, landlords are working with the tenants, which is great, you know, because it's difficult on them, too. Right. Uh, and you need people back in working, Chris. So, listen, it doesn't work to your advantage to say one party or another or this this politician because they have – uh, a lot of them want retribution. If you come out and say, I got a problem with this mayor or this councilman, so I don't want to get you in any trouble. But do you believe that this city can absorb another tax increase? They're talking about increasing taxes on those horrible people called millionaires. And if you combine that with the federal tax, it's going to be the highest tax state in the country. Does that worry you? Well, listen, I mean, if it's something that's going to make people move out of our state, yes, of course it worries me, you know, and I understand both sides of it, you know, because the city has a big deficit now because of COVID, because, that, you know, you think about all these businesses that have closed in the thousands, right? They got to make that up somewhere. So I understand their, their part of it, you know, but for me as a business owner, the last thing I want is more people moving out of the city, right? So if somebody says, well, you know what? They're going to tax more. I'm going to go to Jersey. I'm going to go to Connecticut. I'm going to go wherever. You that's know, a problem. That's not a good thing. It is that is a problem. It's the first time I remember the city empty of people. I, you know, I, you know, there's different things. Different happened. The 9/11 attacks were all there, but there's no people working. You know, I, I walk to the I walk to the 34th from from 48th, and I'm the only one in a suit. Still, there's nobody in the banks. There's no one in insurance. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, that must. It, that must actually in your neighborhood. Where are you exactly located? I live on the Upper West Side, and then um, the, you know the club is on Twenty Third between Seventh and Eighth. So yeah, I've been in the city the whole time. So do you I've have residences around you? Yes. Okay. So you need you yeah. need neighborhoods. Neighborhoods will help you. Uh, tourists would be great, and people working would be fantastic. So Absolutely. You, you know, but, but like from where I sit right now, I actually think the city's going to come back a lot quicker than we think. You know, it's already starting to have a better feel. And I think the more people that get vaccinated, you know, and like, look, landlords have reduced, you know, both commercial rents and residential rents. You know, it's going to bring people into the city because people say, you know, wow, you know what? I can live in Manhattan for the same price, maybe somewhere in Brooklyn or Queens that's further away from where their job is. They may come to the city. You know, so it, it, it's going to come back. It's going to take a little bit of time, but I actually think it's going to happen quicker um, than I thought earlier. But the only thing you're forgetting about is law and order. The 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 men and women in blue have been uh, have been demoralized. Uh, they've been in too many cases lost billions. They lost their uh, their anti crime force. Uh, they need in a shot of adrenaline and respect. Yeah, I mean, listen. Without doubt, the city needs to be safe and that that's a big factor you know we we absolutely need that you need a safe city because nobody wants to walk around not feeling safe you got it hey chris congratulations glad you're back online uh any indication when you're going to get past 33 percent 
Nothing yet, but I'm hoping to get to 50% in the next few months. And, and I, I would think by the fall, we'll probably be at that 100%. That's my guess. Right. And are you ever going to de- uh, ask people if they're vaccinated? Have you thought about that? No, I mean, listen, with the temper- temperature checks when they walk in, it, that's pretty good protection there. Right. You know, because if anybody's sick, they're going to have a fever. You know, and I think, look, a lot more people are vaccinated now. That's only going to continue up. I think we're doing like four, four million a day now. So another 30 days down the road, I think we're going to be going to be in good shape. Lastly, have you heard the material? Is it all about the pandemic or are people trying to avoid it because they know we've been living it? You know what? Both. And I'll, and I'll tell you, the acts that we had on this weekend, they, you know, they did a great job. I mean, you know, Mark Norman was on, Ryan Reese, Marion Groden, you know, Harris Stanton. You know, they were they were really, really good lineups. You know, Sam Morell. And it was a good, you know, uh, combination of newer stuff and COVID related stuff. And, you know. They're tried and true home runs. Hey, we're heard around well, the country. Eisenberg. Right. I'm sorry. No, we're heard around the country, uh, uh, and then everyone's got their own thing. Texas opened up quicker. Ohio opened up quicker. But now New York's starting to open up and saying it's okay to laugh again, uh, Chris. So there's a lot of material out there to be had, and Gotham, uh, Gotham Comedy Club is the place to see it. Uh, Chris, best uh, thanks, of luck. Alan. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Brian. Have you, a great day. You got it. Chris Mazzilli. Uh, just this thing called just let him run his business. Uh, and hopefully New York will stay out of his way. Back in a moment with your calls. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I should be able to be a journalist and question the veracity of those statements. And frankly, I should be allowed in a democracy that values freedom of speech, I should be allowed to say, I'm sorry, I don't believe you. But I wasn't. I wasn't allowed to do that. And that's why he quit. He, he walked off his hit uh, breakfast show in, over in England. He was on with uh, Tucker last night on Fox Nation. They took experts and put it on uh, Tucker Tonight. So Tucker Today, uh, where he doesn't wear a jacket, Tucker Tonight, where he does. And, uh, and Pierce Morgan, I think that a lot of people are intrigued about Pierce Morgan here. You know, when he was at CNN, I don't consider him a conservative. Did you, Allison? Wasn't he? He was always talking about guns, how bad guns are in America. And I thought, who's this British guy talking about how bad America is? And he goes back to England, becomes a big hit again, big columnist. And then he seems to be make more more sense now. Like he's he, standing up to the pro, to the cancel culture anyway. Because he speaks his mind and he stands by his opinions. And it's amazing. He's like, I'm not going to apologize. Why would I apologize? But it's amazing. Meghan Markle has more power over the British media than the royal family. He sided with the royal family, and he did not have the backing to keep his job without apologizing, it seems. Well, at the same time, right, he just, well, I agreed, I guess, without apologizing, right? He did walk away from it because he refused to apologize. But I wonder if he refused to apologize, but they have fired him. Probably. Maybe he used that as an opportunity. Um, But he just didn't see. He goes, I don't see race. There's no racism in that family. But the ripple effect through the provinces and through these islands, the British-run islands, have been big. I mean, I watch the British television in the morning. It's kind of cool to watch the BBC, and especially with the pandemic, we got a lot of the same issues, especially with free speech, the vaccine cards. And uh, you had to see the people talking. Oh, this royal family, they've always been racist. Now we know for sure they're racist. I'm thinking over one comment that they wouldn't tell who said it, where it was said, and how it was said. One comment that Meghan Markle said that Harry told her happened, who said, I will not talk about it. I don't blame him for being upset because it has such huge 
you know, they worked hard to get the perception a certain way. The woman's 95 years old. Her husband's in the hospital. So I totally, I, I'm not a big royal guy, but when he left the royal family, I was fascinated by it. I was fascinated. Like, what could have happened? That was the cool guy who was brought up in 2006. I did not know, remember this. Didn't he wear a Nazi costume? Yep, too? on Halloween, yep. For a Halloween party or something like that. Alex, listen on WABC in New York. Hey, Alex. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. No so, problem. I think we should throw back at the Democrats what they're saying about the fact that you now need to show a photo ID in, uh, in Georgia in order to vote because they're racist. They're not fighting the banks. And in a bank, you got to show a photo ID in order to open a bank Absolutely. account. Absolutely. It's not fair for black people because they don't have a photo ID. And what about in the pharmacy? You got to show a photo ID to pick up certain medications. And to get onto a plane, you got to fo- show a photo what about ID to cash so a black check? stuck in this country for always, especially since this is such a racist country. Why are the Democrats only fighting for the rights of the black people when it comes to voting exactly uh, what about the cash a check right right and so people say bring it you know what they said too alex bring a utility bill we just want to know who you are we don't want to we don't want you not to vote we just want to make sure the vote comes out right and there's as little fraud as possible yeah i i get the sarcasm it, it rings loud and clear brian listening in ohio brian we played charles barkley's comments a little while ago saying most white people are great and most black people are great politicians are dividing us how do you feel oh 100 110 percent on that i agree with him completely um you know i see charles barkley uh moving forward in a, in a matter of leadership and unity uh for everybody especially in comparison to things like lebron james says or even the other major sports leaders i mean uh, all the uh, various other major sports people can, or companies, uh, where the the NFL, NBA, MLB have a chance to unite everybody, but they're being extremely div- uh, divisive. And uh, people see it, people know it. Um, you know, you don't talk about politics or religion, and uh, you, you serve everybody equally. Hey, Brian, I'm, let's leave it there. I have one more call again, but Joe Biden feels exactly the opposite, President. Jim, WOKV, Jacksonville. Jim. Hey, Brian. What's on your mind? Hey, Brian. Hey, you know, it's no surprise why all these corporations are are clamoring to jump on the woke boat. You got 30-something-year-old children from Ivy League colleges who are replacing the veteran marketing executives who, who at that point had common sense and wisdom. And these kids have been listening to this mindless dribble all their lives. So they're all trying to get ahead of each other and jumping on it. So you think we dropped the ball, not trying to get involved in the educational system to make sure what they're learning is pro-American. Not not propaganda, but pro-American. It shouldn't be hard. Thanks so much. Keep it here. Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.